Kia ora and welcome to the See Tomorrow First podcast. I'm Courtney Peters, Group Marketing Manager for NZ Tech. See Tomorrow First is a shared industry and government initiative created by your industry body NZ Tech alongside NZT and NZ Story to shine a spotlight on New Zealand's amazingly innovative tech companies and to share their stories with the world. I'm joined today by our guest, Nadia Thorne. Nadia is studio manager and one of four co-founders at Black Salt Games, an independent gaming company based in Christchurch, New Zealand. Earlier this year, Black Salt Games debuted their first project, Dredge. A week after its release, they had secured a 95% positive review rating on digital storefront Steam. And in October, they won Game of the Year at the South by Southwest Sydney Game Awards. Unlike many development teams, Black Salt Games is small yet nimble and paving the way for game developers in New Zealand. We're going to talk about the origins of Dredge and how the Black Salt Games team have managed its global success, as well as talking about the New Zealand game sector more generally and the opportunity it presents to New Zealand as a high-value waitlist export. Tēnā koe, Nadia. Thank you for joining me today. Kia ora. I would love to start by talking about what brought you and your co-founders, Joel, Alex and Mikey, together to create Black Salt Games. What was your vision? We had all worked together for actually a number of years building games for other people, brands like Disney and Sony, but the dream was always to make our, our own games. Uh, obviously in, you know, 2020, COVID happened, the world changed, um, along with closing a whole lot of opportunities. I also think it it created a lot of opportunities. Um, so that just seemed the right time to take everything that we had learned from delivering, you know, dozens and dozens of games for um, for some big studios and pouring all of that that learning into, into our own ideas uh, and hopefully, yeah, kind of creating a successful studio with just the four of us. And how did you come up with the idea for Dredge? Yeah, that was literally an elevator pitch Lovecraftian fishing game as soon as Joel said those three words immediately like it makes sense doesn't it um Lovecraft and out on the ocean all alone you know that loneliness and the despair that that comes from um you know kind of being all alone but then not alone what's underneath you um and so yeah it came we did an ideation phase where we came up with a probably about, you know, 50 ideas. Um, and then we narrowed that down to, to a number that we wanted to prototype. Dredge was one of those. Um, when we prototyped it and tested it with players, it was just really clear that there was something in it. Immediately, people wanted to know what was going to happen in the story. They wanted to go out and catch more fish. Uh, it was just really engaging right off the bat. Awesome. So if you would give us the elevator pitch other than the three words, yeah. um, what, what is Dredge for people who haven't played it before? Of course, it's a sinister fishing adventure. So you spend your days on these, you know, beautiful, calm, relaxing, open oceans, uh, and like reeling in some of the 150 species of fish that, that we have. But as your, you know, kind of day progresses, uh, the sun goes down, night rolls in, and so does the fog. And suddenly these open um, seascapes that you had during the day become really closed in and claustrophobic. Uh, you can't see very far ahead of you. Rocks start appearing out of nowhere. You start seeing things out in the distance, and they start seeing you as well. 
It's such a good description. Um, I just started playing it just a few days ago and so addictive. But the way your heart beats so faster at night when suddenly there's something coming at you or you can see like a boat in the distance and you're like, what are you? Such a such a clever game and so fun to play. So video games are often developed by large teams, but Black Salt Games differs in that you're only four people. So how has this helped and or hindered you? Video game budgets these days are getting into the crazy numbers. You can have, you know, 400 million um, kind of spent on on building a game. Uh, they do take quite a lot of investment. It's um, multiple years and multiple highly skilled people. Um, so, you know, the, the AAA games, you know, these big budget uh, kind of games, that's a huge amount of risk um, for, for studios to take on. Um, and yeah, if they, you know, don't get it right, they're, they're going to be in a, a big loss. Um, having a small studio, you know, the, the risk is less and um, being a no name studio, there's no way that we could go around um, kind of generating the, the kind of funding, you know, even in the um, multi millions of, of dollars. So, you know, we knew that um, we had to kind of make do with what we could scratch together uh, that we had to be really clever about the length of time we we took we you know we knew that we couldn't really you know spend five years making a game that no one might like um so better to spend two years making uh making a game that no one might like and then you might have another you know time for another shot um kind of afterwards so i think you know being um, being a small team um, with a, a small amount of funding is a bit of a you know kind of scary scenario when you're going up against other games that that have had many years and many multis millions of dollars poured into it. But on the other side, having just the four of us, the kind of creative agency that that gives you, all four of us were designers on this game. Um, all of us had each of our, our voices heard, you know, when we, we wanted to kind of add something or, or change something. And that level of agency is also something you just don't get on those big budget games uh, if you're you know an artist on on one of those games it could be your whole job to just create rocks um, for for many many years whereas we get to and, and have to work in a number of different roles um, where we're designers where we're programmers and artists and project managers but we're also marketers um, and uh, and music people and sound people as well so um yeah it just keeps everything really interesting um awesome and how did you approach that kind of funding how did you get the funding like what was the way that you approached that yeah we're really lucky in New Zealand that there are now alternative um kind of sources for for funding that um that you can look at but uh, when we kicked off in in 2020 the only source um the only option available for us was private funding um, and so having to, to go out convince uh, someone that you know there was going to be a positive return on investment uh, uh, on this and to, to invest in us as a team. Tricky. So what would you say have been the biggest challenges in launching Dredge here and offshore? I think 
you know, with any product, you've got the you've you've got the product itself, right? And you you can put everything into it to make sure it's a, a good product. But if no one knows about that product, it's a moot point. Um, and so we knew that we were going to have to get additional help on board when it came to marketing and just letting people know that there was this kind of um, cosmic horror fishing game uh, that they could that they could pick up. And so that for for us in our industry meant looking at publishers, um, looking at third party um, service providers, basically that could help us um, market and and share that with the world. But they also take a massive cut of your game revenue um, for for the privilege. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big thing that we knew we had to go out and get a really good publisher behind us. Okay, and who did you end up? Getting? We ended up getting Team Seventeen, um, who are they're they're a game developer themselves. They've been around for about thirty years in the industry, publishing indie games like Worms. Uh, and yeah, they have since moved into obviously supporting other developers' games as well as their their own. Uh, so yeah, they've they've been around in the industry for about thirty years now. And how do you approach a partnership like that? Uh, lots of cold calling, uh, lots of pitching. So yeah, we put together a, a demo, we put together a pitch deck, and literally I cold called about 40, 40 publishers, um, either via their website or just ferreting out their um, their contact details through LinkedIn uh, or, or Twitter um, or, sorry, X these days. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, just sending out packs and, and begging them to, to give us a couple of minutes of their time to convince them that we had a game that was worth making. Wow. And how long did that take in the two-year process? So we spent about six months creating the, the initial demo um, and it took about – I think about three or four months to to kind of go out to publishers, um, get a lot of thank you but no thank you um, responses, but also a lot of oh let's take this further. Um, so yeah, we were back and forth with with a lot of publishers. By the end of of that phase, we had about seven offers on the table, which was also really good because we got to kind of weigh and judge them against each other because every publisher has slightly different terms, slightly different services that they offer you and that just put us in a really nice um, place negotiation wise as well to to have different options available to us nice and once you'd published dredge how fast like how quickly did you know it was a thing Pretty much. I think we were at a launch party um, and we were just watching the, the figures go up. So we had smashed through my year one targets um, by like in 12 hours. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Would you call that your biggest kind of success was seeing that kind of quick uptake of the of the game? Yeah, it certainly absolutely blew through our expectations. Uh, we had hoped to sell about 30,000 copies. That would keep us in business for the next couple of years, give us, you know, a shot at a at a second game. So that seemed like a really, you know, kind of optimistic uh, kind of goal. Um, so, yeah, that was 30,000 was the target. We've now sold over 1.1 million copies worldwide. So, Incredible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite a different <laughs> situation from what we thought it was going to be that's amazing the New Zealand sector game sector in general seems to be booming right now and growing really rapidly um what's been your experience kind of growing within the New Zealand games ecosystem and how's it supported you guys 
Yeah, I've been in the New Zealand game industry for 12 years now. And I don't know what um, a whole lot of other industries are like, but I feel like we're this special case where none of us treat each other like competitors. There is enough of the the kind of game industry to, to go around for all of us. And so what you see from that kind of situation is just a whole lot of support. So we share information, we share insights, we share data um, with each other to try and make each uh, each other's studios next release more successful on the the kind of individual level there are regional meetups in all of the main centers of New Zealand and they happen monthly um, we've got an incredible um, kind of support network from the New Zealand government agencies as well through New Zealand trade and enterprise who's a massive supporter of our industry um, to the center of digital excellence New Zealand who help startup studios kind of um, establish themselves and create partnerships around the, the globe. And then we've had through the just this year announced the New Zealand game sector rebate, which is going to be absolutely massive in, in us being able to, to grow and meet a big demand um, that the industry is asking for. So just with all those kind of factors from, you know, sort of from the from the, the ground to the, the government level, there is massive support in this industry, which, um, yeah, so I think it's a it's a good one. Uh, it's small. We're just over a thousand people, but we're growing fast as well. And are we attracting, you know, talent from offshore, do you see as we grow? Absolutely. Um, if anything, that's what New Zealand really needs. We we don't have that kind of the the volume of senior kind of talent that the the likes of um, America or Europe will have. And now that our game studios are starting to compete on that kind of global level, it really helps us um, when we we bring that senior talent in um, who has the experience at all of these other massive studios. Um, and then also helps us grow our, our kind of local junior um, crop of, of game developers as well. Awesome. And last of all, I'd just love to know what's next for Black Salt Games? Have you got plans on the horizon that you can talk about or...? Yeah, um, we've been really lucky enough to to kind of get this response with Dredge um, and we had a whole bunch of players asking for more. So we've been um, lucky enough to um, release our first paid adventure um, just a couple of days ago. Um, so that adds a new area into Dredge. Uh, these last few months, we've been adding free updates as well. And we've got one more paid expansion planned for early next year before we kind of you know set the sun on on dredge for for a bit and and then go and work on new worlds amazing can't wait to see them thanks so much for joining me today nadia it's been great to chat with you thank you for inviting me (laughs) that's it for this episode of the see tomorrow first podcast see tomorrow first is all about making new zealand technology world famous and there are lots of ways for you to leverage the campaign to help scale your tech offshore No matter where you're at on your tech journey, check out our huge range of tools and resources at ctomorrowfirst.nz. You can listen to this podcast plus other episodes by visiting the See Tomorrow First website, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. It's been a pleasure to host you today. I'm Courtney Peters from NZ Tech. Namihi nui. 